Welcome back to Parenting is Political. I'm Mo. And I'm Jasmine. And we are joined by August, our three-month-old baby. So you might hear some baby noises in the background. But anyway, uh, this week we are going to be talking about family structure. And the reason that we're going to be talking about family structure this week is because of an incident that happened earlier in the week when I took Addison, our middle child, to her dance class. And while we were there, we'd gotten there like a few minutes early and we're just hanging out in the waiting room and her and her friends were playing. And I was standing there with August and one of her friends asked, is that your dad? And Addison goes, no, that's my mom, which I'm pretty sure that she gets this question probably pretty frequently because of how she handled the whole question and incident altogether. And then she added after that, she said, and my other mom is at home. And then the little girl goes, wait, wait, wait. You have two moms? And Addison goes, yeah. As if that's like the most ridiculous question she's ever been asked. And then the girl goes, huh. And then comes up to me directly and asks, so Addison has two moms? She's just really trying to understand this concept. And I kind of like freeze for half a second and really take in the room. There's like other parents who are like definitely listening into the conversation at this point. And I'm like, uh, do I go for it or not? And I just eventually said, you know, screw it. I'm going to talk about it because I think it's important to have these conversations with kids. And so I said, yeah, Addison does have two moms. And a lot of families actually have two moms. Um, and some families also have two dads. Some families maybe just have one mom or one dad or are raised by grandparents or maybe just guardians or close friends. And that's okay. Um, lots of families look a lot of different ways. And as I'm saying this, another little girl comes up and she goes, yeah, my mom taught me about this. There are lots of families who have mom and moms and daddies and daddies. And then she told me that like sometimes your mommy can become your daddy and your daddy can become your mommy. And I just think it's super cool. And then after this little girl said that, the other, the first one who asked the question goes, hmm, okay. And then they went back and started playing, which I think is why I wanted to talk about this whole topic of family structure and what that looks like and how to have conversations with your kids about it was because just because someone taught this little girl that other family structures existed, she was able to normalize it for her peer group. She was able to come into a conversation and say, hey, this is cool. Don't worry about it. Let's go back and play. And that's exactly what happened. You know, the kids went back and started playing and then they went to their dance class like three minutes later and nobody was treating, you know, my kid any differently because of her family structure. And that's all because this kid's parent obviously took the time to have these conversations with her. So that's why we're talking about family structure this week. <laughs> Do you want to add anything? <laughs> is this where I where I chime in? Uh, yeah, this is where you're going to talk. August is breastfeeding, and um, that's what the smacking is about here. So I think... It's important for you to maybe give everyone um, a rundown, a little bit more of a rundown, about what you were taught mm. uh, families are supposed to look like. And then, oh, that was a nice huge burp. burp. And I <laughs> will, looks so proud of himself. And I will talk about the things that I was taught are the function of family um, and how families should look. And then we can jump into the other part of the content. Cool. Right. Sounds good. Go for it. Um, so I was taught 
several different things about family structure. And as I'm looking back at it as an adult now, I realize, like, how bizarre these things are and, like, how harmful they were to be taught. Um, But the first and foremost rule of family that I was taught was that it has to be biological. Um, So there has to be a mom and there has to be a dad, and they had to have had the kids that they made together. And if anything was outside of that structure, it was considered not okay. Um, So that even means that, like, parents who couldn't have kids and just wanted to adopt, that they they were never at the level of, like, a quote-unquote real family. Because the real family, again, had to have a mom and a dad, and they were the ones who had to have the kids together. Which very easily led into the second thing that I was taught, was that any sort of family structure that was outside of that was wrong. And the first one was that if you're gay, that is a sin. It's not okay to be gay. And that for whatever reason, uh, gay people were trying to ruin the sanctity of marriage. And honestly, to this day, I'm not really sure how we were trying to ruin the sanctity of marriage. I'll definitely unpack that in just a minute. (laughs) But we did, and people were pissed about it, which is why we weren't even allowed to get married until a couple years ago, which is wild. Um, But that was the second thing I was taught, was it's not okay to be gay. The third thing I was taught, and I have a very distinct memory of how I was taught this, was that blended families, um, just they never work. And what I mean by a blended family is that if you had a couple who were married and they had kids together and then they got divorced and then they got remarried, that kind of family structure just it doesn't work. And how I was taught this was in high school in one of my classes by one of my teachers. He stood in front of the class and was talking directly to the boys in the class and said, listen, you never ever want to date or marry a girl who has kids already. It's never going to work. She's too much trouble. There's too much baggage that goes along with it. Not only do you have to deal with the fact that she has kids who aren't even your kids, because, again, biological component, you also have to deal with, like, the biological father and the drama, that all the drama that goes along with that. And everyone was, like, nodding their heads, like, oh, yeah, this makes sense, totally. And I was just like, I mean, now that I'm thinking back about it, I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> that is the most ridiculous thing to be teaching kids, but that's what we were taught. And it made sense, and so I then interacted with people who had gotten divorced and then remarried and had, like, stepbrothers and sisters as, like, weird and different and not okay. Um, Which, of course, leads to the other conversation about divorce and the family structure of divorce and how divorce was never okay growing up because you made a commitment in front of the church and in front of God to be married to that person forever And if you ever broke that, then it was considered a sin. And so that led to, like, really abusive relationships that I saw as a kid because you weren't allowed to get divorced. Um, You know, affairs were happening, abuse was happening. I just saw couples that were deeply, deeply unhappy, um, which breaks my heart now. but made sense at the time. It was like you had to stick that shit out. You could never give up Um, because, again, it was going against, like, the will of God. So one of the last things I was taught um, that I can remember distinctly was that single mothers were, who were having kids outside of, you know, wedlock or whatever were just a burden to society, um, which is really unfair and horrible, but that's exactly what I was taught. And um, 
one of the most distinct memories I have of that was whenever someone in my class in high school ended up getting pregnant and instead of giving her I know and instead of giving her like love and support she was shamed and to the point where they kicked her out of my school because they said that her choices were immoral and they wouldn't have that kind of um you know family structure involved in like participating with the other kids in the school that's always so interesting to me that um particularly like white evangelical private schools teach about biological determinism right Mm -hmm. that you are a part of god's creation and and he the lord of all designed you to have male function female function and you have all these hormones and these different things and then the students experience um what what are the um what is the fruition of their biological urges, which is, you know, have sex, and then uh, pregnancy happens as a result, and suddenly you're kicked out because you're doing exactly what you've preached God designed your body to do. You just didn't have enough self-control to do it at the right time, Um, which goes perfectly with um, a little bit of what I wanted to add to the content. So my family... Uh, I was raised by a single mom and this group of matriarchs and, uh, you know, Cherokee women, black women. And um, I didn't really have the quote unquote nuclear family. But what you're talking about the church taught you is what so many people recognize and know as the nuclear family. And in order to, in order to, help everyone understand the function of the nuclear family, you have to understand functionalism. Do you know what that means, Mo? No. What does it mean, Jasmine? (laughs) (laughs) You're such, you're so corny. I know. (laughs) So functionalism is a theory. It's a perspective. And it's a perspective that um, the basic tenets are that um, society is made up with interconnected institutions. Hmm. For example, education, family, and government. And that all of these institutions uh, function together to create this perfect society, or at least this homeostatic society. The problem is whenever these um, systems are built in from a foundation of oppression, functionalism doesn't really work, right? Right. So the nuclear family um, happened around, the idea of the nuclear family happened around the 1940s. Now, obviously, like family had been happening way before the 1940s. Family structures were created. But the theory that has informed a lot of folks' analysis around the nuclear family was um, started by a guy named George Murdoch. And in his studies, he also, it's important to know, was a functionalist. In his studies, he noted that that there was four primary functions of the family system. So it was sexual. That's where um, stable stable sexual relationships happened. Um, It's where you got your uh, control of sexuality, that if you were chased to another person in a monogamous construct, then you made society safe. The other part was reproduction. So, of course, there was the emphasis on cisgender men, cisgender women being together because they had the necessary biological components to provide new members to society. (laughs) (laughs) Then there was 
of socialization that the norms and values of the society and in order to keep the society going and quote unquote civil, you would learn or be socialized through the family, the nuclear family. And then the fourth thing, which was highly, highly informed by the transition of the 19th century uh, boom of capitalism and the move away from sort of like this feudal uh, economic system that we had, uh, is that you're able to pool your resources for all family um, families to share. And then the government systems or education could track the knowledge, goods, and assets of that family. So when you think in the 1940s of the unwed mother, she goes against all of these things, right? And if you think about the infertile woman, she goes against all of these things. If you think about the queer or disabled, they go against all of these things. Mm. If you think about um, folks who are not cisgender, again, it's a disruption of these things. So lots of folks took that theory after it had been established in the 1940s and really began to run with it and shape their um, the parts that they were able to affect in institutions based on this model. One way that this model has been perpetuated, a primary vehicle for establishing political power, has been through the white evangelical church. The white evangelical church absolutely protects capitalism, white supremacy, and heteronormativity. Mm-hmm. And and the um, white evangelical church in particular is a huge fan of the nuclear model. And in fact, if you break down the majority of the arguments or the assertments that they make around quote-unquote alternative lifestyles or lifestyles that they consider unethical and immoral, you will be able if you have some critical analysis analysis to really unpack those four pillars of the nuclear family that Murdoch had established in his theory. Hmm. Right? Right. So when that young girl came to your school and she was pregnant, what happened? She had violated the sexual premise of that four pillar of what you can get with the nuclear family, which was to control your offspring and to be sexually chaste. And to, um, you know, basically no one knows who the real dad is. And if we don't know who the real dad is, how will we know what land belongs to him and how we can, how he can control things, right? Mm. So it all comes back to property, land, and domination. And, you know, men didn't want to be uh, paying for offspring that didn't belong to them. So the idea of a chaste woman or the nuclear family guaranteed he knew where his generational wealth was going, where his power lied, and um, what was happening in his household. Wow. Interesting, right? Yeah. It makes sense why I was taught all those things then. Right. And so it also makes sense why your, t- your teacher thought that um, a blended family was a problem. Yeah. Right? Because what are you socializing then? You're socializing that maybe sometimes marriages don't work or relationships don't work and you have to start over in a new way. Right? So anything that becomes a disruption to the nuclear family then, particularly in like white Anglo uh, Christianity, um, becomes, you know, it, it becomes antithetical to the messaging. And so you want to halt anything that might provide another model that is functional outside of the nuclear family. And you do that by by creating this um, diametrically opposed view. 
and you vilify the other in order to keep your desired model, the nuclear family, center and as like giving it the supremacy, essentially. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, your eyes are bugging. I'm all, wow. I hope we were all prepared for that. I wasn't. (laughs) No, so that's that's why it made such a difference whenever that girl at the ballet class, Mm -hmm. who was like probably like five or six, I don't know, I'm terrible at guessing kids' ages, but looked like that. And uh, she came up and she was like, look, I'm already like, gonna stand up against this like white capitalistic cisgendered heteronormative patriarchal view of the family structure mm. which is awesome that's yeah and so when we're when we're assessing these things through um an anti-capitalist view you have to understand that um the queer family that doesn't have the quote-unquote biological ingredients to propagate the species to create more members of society which is essentially to say essentially saying to make more workers that's mm-hmm. why they don't have value oh. but then you see a, a shift politically where capitalism began to recognize the way in which queer folks um were building families quote-unquote alternatively and they were adopting and that there was money in queer families. And so the heteronormative version uh, of marriage and um, family building was a, like there was like a layer that was allowed for queer folks to be able to do. Right. Right? Like it's the same love. Our families look the same. We're raising kids and, you know, 2.5 kids with a white picket fence and a dog. We can do that too, which is useful to uh, – habits of supremacy, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's useful to white supremacy. It's useful to capitalism. It's useful to patriarchy mm-hmm. because even though we're subverting the system based on our genders, we are still affirming the system of heteronormativity in pretty big ways. So then queer folks who decide not to have children or, um, you know, forego the traditional family models like uh, non-monogamous or polyamorous folks, folks who live in um, multi-generational living and different kinds of family makeup, then that continues to agitate and disrupt this Hmm. system. And essentially capitalism evolves the way that it'll accept someone depending on how much it can commodify the experience and make you essentially a product, a commodity of, of the bigger function of the market, right? Yeah. And um, so that's why we have all these Coca-Cola commercials with same love now. <laughs> I know that's confusing and there's a lot of analysis um, before we get to the Coca-Cola commercials and like why capitalism functions in that way, but... We've got only a short window of time to squeeze all this in. But what questions do you have? And I'll answer based on, um, yeah, based on what I just unpacked. Questions? Did I have any questions? Of course I had questions. But if you're like me, I'm still reeling from all the things that were just said. Functionalism? Murdoch? The nuclear family? Man, I'm going to have to take some time to figure this out. I think instead of going forward... I'm going to take the next couple episodes to really dive deep into what these things are, how to unpack them and create a deeper analysis around them because they, they constantly inform how we parent and how we were parented. And in addition to that, I think I'm going to talk to some families who are outside of this nuclear family model and 
and how this has affected them and how they raise their children and see if they can add to any of the analysis that we have going on. So as of right now, I think that that's going to be the end of this episode. I'm going to go take a couple of uh, maybe like baths or like walk around the block as I try to get my, my head back on because of all of that great information that was just shared. Um, so thank you so much for joining me. If you have any questions, if you want to maybe create your own analysis and enter in a dialogue with me, please feel free to reach out. You can contact me via email at contact at parentingispolitical.org. Again, that's contact at parentingispolitical.org. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and I would love to hear from y'all. And I'm literally looking forward to these next couple episodes as we dive deep into what it means um, to unpack this idea of a nuclear family and of functionalism. So thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>